Before I start the show, I want to talk about StarStock. The site has now launched in beta, and you can deposit, purchase cards, view your collection, and flip those cards in the marketplace with more being built. StarStock is building a sports card marketplace aimed to be faster and cheaper for flipping sports cards than any other platform. They're currently looking for people who want to submit their cards to sell on the platform. Here's what they're offering. A 5% commission, no ingestion fees, you send in your cards and they do all the work. The cards are guaranteed and secured in a vault, and you can choose to ship your cards back at any time. You can buy, flip, or store cards with a click of a button. If you're interested in getting involved as a seller, contact Mike at Mike at Starstock.com. Starstock is only looking for rookie cards and prospects of current players. For more details, contact Mike at Starstock.com. And let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. It's time for another one of our interview episodes. And today I'm going to be bringing you an interview from somebody that you may not be very familiar with. Uh, I'm going to be talking with Rich Bromet, and he's somebody who goes by the Happy Collector on, as his online persona. He's somebody that came across my feed via Twitter, I think, first, and then I, I found him on TikTok as well. And we have been interacting a little bit back and forth on those two channels. But I really like his overall theme of his content. And I thought you might enjoy hearing from somebody that you might not be as familiar with. But before we start the interview, I want to give a shout out to one of my sponsors, Underdog Collectibles. They're a shop based out of Knoxville, Tennessee, but they're available to all of you listeners anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world for that matter with their website, udogcollect.com. And you can use the code WAXPACKHERO to receive $5 off your first break of $20 or more. And that offer is valid one per customer through May 31st. And remember, always bet on the underdog at udogcollect.com, a shop run by collectors for collectors. And now let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Rich. Today we have a conversation with another collector and content creator, uh, somebody that I just has have stumbled across fairly recently, but am enjoying his content both on uh, Twitter that he posts as well as on TikTok. And so I want to welcome Rich Bramette to the show. Welcome, Rich. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you having me. I'm psyched to have the conversation. Thanks. First, I wanted to just start with your you're kind of maybe better known as or AKA, as it says on your on your <laughs> Twitter bio is AKA the happy collector. So what was the inspiration for that name? You know, so, so it's funny. So when I first started getting into this, um, I just went under my own name. Right. Uh, but from a standpoint of wanting to create a brand, something that identified me outside of just my name. I went through a couple different names, some of them more embarrassing than, than the one I have now. Uh, but I land on Happy Collector because I'm a huge proponent. I've done a lot of studying and research on positivity and culture. And I thought the name Happy Collector kind of fit that mold, uh, that I'm really in this, in this hobby and in, even in the resale game 
trying to approach everybody and everyone that I that I interact with in a positive way. So I thought Happy Collector sounded good together, and it kind of really helped push my message of positivity across as well. Yeah, I think that's positivity is something that we can definitely use more of in the hobby and in li- in life in general. And so <laughs> I think that's I think that's great. Well, let's take it back a little bit too, so people can get a feel for your background. Tell me about how you actually even started collecting and getting into cards. I think, like most people around my age, uh, we started back, unfortunately, in the junk wax era, right? In in the thick of the junk wax era, I still remember opening uh, my first pack, '89 Upper Deck, thinking. I was seeing uh, a game-changing type of product, you know, foil package, a hologram within a card. I was like, what in the world is this thing? Um, everybody collected in my age group when we were in school. Everybody did. It almost became a status symbol to some degree. If you didn't have uh, upper deck Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, then maybe you couldn't sit with us at the lunch table today, you know? Um, Fast-forwarding a little bit, I'd say the junk wax era, people say ended in the what, mid-90s, 94 is a popular day to use. Uh, I'm late and tail end of high school career going into, going to go into college, so my focus started to wane. You know, at that point, certainly in high school, cars, girls, and sports kind of took precedence over everything. Right? So I kind of walked away for a little bit during that period when I went off to college as well. I came back periodically, you know, for the big rookies. Uh, for example, when LeBron came out, you know, I came back, you know, certainly when Kobe was coming out with me, you know, Kobe was around my age, um, I, I collected there as well. So I collect sporadically through the years, but then came full back, full bore in back into the hobby, I'd say about seven years ago. About seven years ago, at, at what point did you start selling and add the business side of things? Pretty much immediately, I'd say from a from a formal eBay, knowing and understanding eBay, I'd say closer to 2016. Uh, but before that, I'd say I would sell uh, in random groups. Uh, even that before that, you'd see some Facebooks posts pop up and so forth. Uh, even I have friends that are collectors, so we meet in little mini groups and, and and sell and exchange that way. Trade, people still traded at that point. You know, you see it sporadically now, but people actually still traded cards back then. You know, now you sell more than just cards, right? Correct. So I I have expanded because I do also sell collectibles. So collectibles more geared towards the adult collector. Um, think toys, think um, like the Funko Pops. I'll sell the odd occasional thing outside of that here and there just just to see if I can do it. And I've taken those challenges where you, you know, you're challenged by like a Gary V. Go pick something out of your closet and see if you can sell. And I've done those things just to see if I could do it. They're actually fun exercises on teaching you how to use eBay and, and how to market your products. Uh, but typically... I'd say 90% sports cards, 10% general collectibles. Okay. Now, I was also curious, you know, there are some people like me who the the card stuff is my side hustle. I have a day job mm-hmm. in nine to five and doing cards is all of, of a side hustle thing for me. And there's other people like Brent Williams of Brent and Becca, who I recently interviewed, who 
ripping and flipping is his full-time gig. One thing I haven't picked up yet from you is, is are cards your full-time thing or is it a, a side hustle for you as well? I say side hustle hundred percent. I do have a, 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 the typical nine to five as well. And this is really my side hustle. It's something that I found. I'm also a photographer as a side hustle as well, but I'm, I also, what I found is and why I picked up photography as a side hustle, because I really enjoyed it. So then I started mm-hmm. learning about it, started taking classes, found a mentor to teach me photography. Uh, same thing with cards. There, there's an amazing social media presence with sports cards. A ton of people willing to give you guidance. So once I started getting that and started getting into it and got this passion for it, it became something that while it is quote unquote a side hustle job, I love it. So it doesn't even seem like a job. So you said that you kind of got back into cards about seven years ago and started buying and selling fairly close or soon after that. At what point did that evolve into content creation? You have a website, you have a a pretty big following on Twitter. Um, I know that you're on TikTok as as well. So at what point did you to make that move into content creation? So I got I went back to school and I got my I got certified as a social media manager. And the first thing that I noticed was, well, I'm not on all these platforms. This is years ago. I can't really go to somebody and say, hey, I think this is what you should do for your Twitter campaign if I either am not on Twitter or have four followings. So I worked incredibly hard to push that content out. And when I first started my content, especially on Twitter, was all geared towards social media how to grow social media, how to market yourself, and so forth. And then as I got more into the photography stuff, I shifted there. But I'd say 99% of my content now is related to sports cards or collectibles. Okay. And what platforms do you mainly focus on when it comes to content creation? Well, it's funny. As you say, my biggest following by far, and even from a follower followee ratio, is Twitter, right? I spent a ton of years <laughs> trying to get there. And I actually was, I think I'm at roughly say 5,500 followers there. I was up at one point to close to 8,000, but I, I had to readjust my strategy because I did follow for follow when I first started and I had a million people that was following. So I dumped thousands and thousands of followers, not because I wanted to be one of those people that say, Hey, look, all these followers I have to how many people I'm actually following is just I got no value from my feed. I just got a bunch of basically advertisements in my feed. Um, I kept the people who I really wanted to follow, you're, you including, you, you're, you're, you're within that group, but dumped the majority because it was just too much noise. It was just too much noise and it really wasn't doing me any favors because at the end of the day, it actually hurts your engagement scores. If I'm talking about things that the majority of my audience doesn't care about it doesn't really help me it actually hurts me you're better off having i've seen accounts have a fraction of the followers that i do but more engagement because all their followers are in their niche or where my followers are still kind of a mix between the three niches that i've been in would you say you've got a central theme when it comes to the content creation creation do you have like a goal or objective that you're trying to accomplish through the website and Twitter and the TikTok content you're creating? You know, is there, is there an overall overarching theme that you're going after? 
I'd say absolutely. So what I what I did notice, uh, especially in the last couple of years, a lot of noise, a lot of chatter. There's a ton of people on the social media platforms that are these amazing investors, if you will, in the hobby. Everyone knows everything, and they share content that I believe can be sometimes misleading for a new collector. It was quite frankly frustrating. You know, there there are those con there 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 are those content creators like yourself. I I I watch watch the breaks. Ivan and watch the breaks. Some of these guys are very realistic in in their approach. You you show the good and the bad. The majority of the new content creators just show you, hey, look, I bought these Kylian Mbappe's uh, a few months ago, and now they're worth thirty thousand dollars. Well. You're not showing the audience the real truth that you also spend another five thousand dollars on guys that didn't hit. I found that stuff very frustrating, and and so I started redoing my content, refocusing my content towards the new collector because there's a, a huge influx of new collectors, and I just wanted to help guide them. You know, I'm not old school enough where I think we have to shun them. I see a lot of a lot of people who've been in the business a while really they're not happy with the new people coming in you know these are kids the gary v kids right and i'm a fan of gary v, so don't i don't say that disparagingly uh that learned from him and they started going to garage sales and started selling sneakers for double triple the price these are the guys that are getting into the market now and they're flipper first collector second and that enrages a lot of collectors mm -hmm. but instead of letting that enrage you you have to embrace it that's how the market is going if you don't embrace it you don't help bring them up the right way. All you're going to do is help hurt the, the hobby more than help it. Now, one of your, I don't know if you want to call it a tag. Well, it's definitely one of your hashtags. And one of the, the primary themes on your website is sports cards 101. And so what was the, the inspiration for that? Was it for, it seems like it would be for some of these new or returning collectors providing some of the, the basics and fundamentals, but what types of things are you trying to share in your sports cards 101 content well it's amazing because when i first got back into it people use jargon and and they assume that you understand what they're talking about even something that seems to us as simple as when you're looking up a price on ebay don't go by what price is posted you have to go by a completed sold and then you can take it a step further and get those specialty apps that kind of break it down from there people assume people understand that right and when I see content creators that are new to the market post, hey, look at the price on this. And I always see when they do that, eight times out of 10, it's the posted price, not the completed sold listing. And that's what I'm targeting. I'm targeting even the basic stuff, the stuff that seems basic, I should say, for seasoned collectors of yourself um, that aren't so basic. It's amazing the reaction and engagement I've gotten from the more basic information I've shared as opposed to sharing more complex items. One of the other things I wanted to hit on when in our conversations today was TikTok. That's something that I've been fascinated with over the last six weeks or so. Um, the, the engagement that I've seen on TikTok has been amazing. You know, Absolutely it's, it's new, it's different for me and I'm still trying to figure it out and get comfortable with it, but it's been a lot of fun. And I know you're pretty prolific on TikTok too. When did you start on TikTok and what got you inspired to jump in there? So I didn't know about 
TikTok on it, honestly. Um, because even my in my current day job, I do less social media stuff. I'm, I'm more in operations. So I didn't know anything about TikTok. But again, I'm, I follow Gary Vee, and um, he was pushing TikTok. And TikTok is basically Musical.ly. Now, I remember Musical.ly from some of my kids, my friends' kids, being on Musical.ly and talking about it. Like, oh, what is that, you know? Uh, so Musical.ly became TikTok, and I got introduced to it by Gary Vee. When I first jumped in, I'd say earlier this year, really, I was just watching and and most of the stuff I saw was more of the entertainment stuff. But I've seen a shift. Really, there's two types of videos you find on TikTok now. There's the fun entertainment, you know, the comedic, the dancing and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also the informative t- content. I'm like, wow, that could be that really could be a spot where I could again push my brand, push my message. And once I started doing that there, it was amazing. You know, it was amazing. Like you said, I have a fraction of followers there. I'm building and growing, but the content engagement is through the roof. You know, through the last 28 days, when I look at my stats, you know, I've gone from, uh, say, in March, 30 followers to now like 570 some followers, right? Um, in the last 28 days, my videos are somewhere between 80 and 90,000 views. There's that's well above the engagement that I got in Twitter with again ten times the amount of followers. So that's what's drawing me in. This the short form video content seems to be resonating. It's tough sometimes to get uh, a valid, a strong point across uh, in a one minute segment. <laughs> but uh, I've also then started adopting a YouTube approach where I'll put a longer version of what I'm trying to say on the YouTube version. What I've found is that when I do, when I push the minute barrier, I get less engagement, less views, as opposed to when I'm closer to 15 to 30 seconds. I mean, my best performing video, which I thought honestly was a kind of a throwaway video, I pulled a Brian Lewerke auto card out of Prism Draft, number to 25, and in that 15 seconds, I just conveyed. My first, like, ah, Brian Lewerke gets signed by the Patriots. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got Brian Lewerke. Those cards went from worthless to having some value. And I did that in a quick 15 second video that's pushing 15,000 views, you know, and pushing, you know, close to a thousand likes and, and, and a ton of comments, as opposed to when I've been very focused on a specific item and spent a full minute, while I think there's more value to that, I I think you have to have a mix. You have to be somewhat entertaining. And when I look at my earlier videos to now, and I'm still evolving, I'm still trying to become more entertaining, more camera ready, if you will, right? I'm trying to mix that entertainment value in and presentation value in to my videos so people do stick around and maybe I can get them to watch now the 30 second to minute video if they're engaged in what I'm saying, you know? Well, I also, you know, before we go, I wanted to know what are some of the things that you personally collect and that you're going after as you build your collection? So soccer is very new to me, right? I'm doing a ton of research in soccer. Uh, I'm targeting the usual suspects there. Kylian Mbappe now is is 
he's on fire. I've luckily jumped in on that before he got too hot. So I do have some of them my stable. Now, it's, I think my wife will kill me if I buy some of those cars. They're too expensive. Uh, Erling Haaland, certainly, I think he's the next guy coming up. His cars are on fire. The fact that Bundesliga and Tops has that partnership and those cards there, I think is going to help with the value and awareness of his cards. But I'm mainly an NFL, MLB, NBA guy. Uh, from a major, from an NFL standpoint, I always say to new collectors: if if you're collecting to collect, collect anybody. You know, if you're a collector first, like I think we both are, collect anybody. But if you're collecting for value and resale, quarterbacks is the way to go. Outside of quarterbacks, everything else is a complete crapshoot. I mean, the Mahomes effect. You can see what. The fact that what Mahomes' cards done to the QB market, everybody's looking for that next Mahomes. So even when someone shows a glimmer of ability, those cards jump in value. Um, I say stay away in general from the other skill positions. Stay away from too many speculative plays in that as well. Uh, from the NBA standpoint, of course, the Jaws and the, and the Zions. But I'm looking for the next guys. Honestly, I like Kobe White a lot. I like Dante a lot. Um, certainly, I, I, I try to get into the Giannis's and the Jordans where I can. The more, And that's where I go into my kind of my, my three market strategy approach to some, to, to how you should approach the hobby. Most people call investments in this hobby I think are gambles. Mm-hmm. When you buy a Tom Brady rookie card or a Michael Jordan rookie card, yes, I thought I think you just bought an investment card. When you buy uh, a Bowman first Chrome Auto of a guy who is still in high A, that is a gamble. That there, I don't care who he is, I don't care where he was drafted, I don't care the hype behind him. He's still a gamble. You know how many other guys just like him they existed that. We have no idea where in the world they are right now. It's too much of that and too little of the investment cards. And I think we throw around, and that's part of my messaging, we throw around the word investment too much. We overutilize it. When a lot of things we do are either investment, they're speculative, meaning reactive to, to real-time events such as the last dance, right? The last dance jacked up Jordan cards. Jack, even Scotty Pippen, Steve Kerr, Phil Jackson cards. If you got in on anybody else but Michael Jordan, those other cards should be speculative quick flips. Don't hold on to a Steve Kerr rookie forever. <laughs> Flip that bad boy. Get the money you can when you bought it for a dollar. And if you get it for $20 now, good for you. That's what you should. Don't hold on to that unless you love Steve Kerr and you want to put it on the wall, right? So I. Uh, and I just put a video out recently. One of, the, one of the hardest things, I think, especially for people who straddle the line between collector and flipper, is focus. There's so many people out there that you can collect. Try, you can get crazy and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. I, I, I believe that people should focus on a handful of people within their sports, the sports they know and are able and willing to put the time and research to know. Uh, and and collect them, keeping your ear to the grindstone. Certainly, of course, right? Or nose to the grindstone, of course, and doing your research on new guys coming up. But don't get oversaturated in anything. Don't try to. I saw someone ask me. They said, "Should I buy every 
NBA rookies, a great rookie class. Should I buy them all? Should I buy lots of every single one of them? I said, are you crazy? No, don't definitely don't do that. If you want to pick five that you really like and focus on them, great. But if you try to do that with every single rookie, it's going to cost you your car. So don't do that. Well, yeah, I think those are some some great thoughts for for people to consider. Where can people find you? What's the best place for people to to follow what you're doing and get in touch with you? From a from a content creation standpoint, honestly, I, I put most of my stuff on TikTok now. I'm starting to use YouTube. I have a couple of people that want to start doing like a mini short form podcast. Um, I have Twitter, Instagram, and so forth. But I'd say the best way to reach me in general is go to thehappycollector.com. All my links are there. Um, you can find me in all the different platforms through that website. Um, and watch my TikTok videos. I love making them, you know, so keep watching them. I appreciate everybody's watching them. Thanks again to Rich for taking a few minutes to chat about his content creation and his approach. I really appreciate both his desire to help new collectors as well as his goal of balancing both the hobby and the business side. And so as you can see, that's something that I'm passionate as well or passionate about as well. And so when I get a chance to talk to other people who are trying to do similar things, I love to learn from them and hear what's working for them and hear what's not working for them. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. We also recently got a couple new five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts from some folks who are newer to the hobby and newer to collecting. And so I really appreciate both the feedback as well as it sounds like the, the goal and the message is resonating, that people are finding value, especially new collectors are finding value to the content that we're creating here on the podcast. So thank you. I would love to hear from anybody else who is listening and who finds the the podcast valuable or even has some ideas or tips on how I could be even better. Please leave a rating and review. I would really appreciate it. Please click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And also, you might want to consider clicking subscribe on the Hobby Hotline feed. It's the weekly call-in show that we host where all of you collectors have a chance to call in and talk with us live. We do that every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central. I will be one of the guest hosts this coming Saturday, so check out at Hobby Hotline for more details. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you next time.